when you're making sure that your music is out there and ready for a sync to happen, that process of getting your music out there on social and doing that, music supervisors really like that. They like to see that artists have something going on. You're not just mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, you've got maybe a, a day job and then you write music on the side and you're only just submitting music for sync. It's fine. That can absolutely work, but they actually prefer a little more that, that you be doing something with your music. Having been in this business for a long time now, um, I think the real reason is because they want to feel that they're supporting an artist and also that there's some sort of, uh, it, it gives a little bit of leverage to the show if you've got you know, fans out there and so on. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, what is up? This is Bree Noble, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. Today's episode is a real treat. I brought on my friend Chris SD from Sync Songwriter, and we are talking all about sync licensing all the ins and outs, everything you need to know, how it all works, all the different ways you can get licensed, what Chris thinks are the best ways to build relationships in the business and get more of your music licensed. And I know that after you listen to this episode, you are going to be jazzed to get into the music licensing world. If you haven't done that already, if you haven't been seeking sync placements, this is going to get you so excited about it because Chris is just really passionate about it. He loves helping connect musicians and supervisors. And that's what this whole panel is about that he has coming up. So before we get into the episode, I want to make sure you guys know about this panel. He's bringing five of his friends that are big music supervisors on shows and films that you would definitely recognize. And he's having them get together for a virtual panel where he's going to ask them all the probing questions about how they pick music, how their job works, what they are looking for in music, and just get all those inside tips that you can usually only get at big conferences. So that is available to you to go to for free, which is so exciting. So I want you to go to F as in female, E as in entrepreneur, musician.com slash Chris, C-H-R-I-S. That's femmusician.com slash Chris and get signed up. The panel is on October 11th, and I know I'm going to be there. So be sure to go to femmusician.com slash Chris or click the link in the show notes and get signed up. Okay, now to my interview with my friend Chris SD from Sync Songwriter. Okay, so I am with my friend Chris SD here. We are here to talk about sync licensing. And I have to say, I became aware of Chris 
probably end of 2019, some of my student, students in the academy were talking about working with him on sync licensing. And then I just started to see him more out in the wild, seeing all the great value that he was giving as far as learning about sync licensing, how to write for sync, all that stuff. And so I'm so excited to have him on the show today and talk about this subject because it's such a popular, it's such like one of those really exciting subjects for musicians and they hear about it and they're like, how can I get in on that? You know, but maybe not really understanding what's involved. So I'm excited to have him explain all of that to you guys. So first off, Chris, we, I would love to know just kind of a little bit about your background and how you got involved in helping musicians to get sync licensing. Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I started off, um, I mean, well, going back to the very beginning, I started off in a band, you know, as an indie musician and would tour in the band. So I'm well versed in touring and, you know, struggling in a way uh, with my music, trying to get it out there. And uh, we had some reasonable success. Uh, this was all in Canada. So I'm originally from Canada. I live in Los Angeles now. Um, and uh, we were, you know, touring around the nation and doing all this stuff. And one thing led to another and I ended up getting into music production, you know, sort of the band parted ways. And I decided, you know, what should I do? And I thought I need to learn how to make my own records. So I got into music production and uh, long story short, I ended up, um, you know, working with some bigger artists in Canada and I was uh, fortunate enough to, you know, work on some platinum selling records and getting music on radio. Okay, I got to know. Uh, so like who are the people we would know in the U.S.? Um, well, uh, you know, Brian Adams, Feist, oh. uh, Chris Christopherson. I think um, I know them. Like, yes, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're, so I wasn't really the producer on, on all of those records. You know, I was either engineering or, or being assistant producer or whatever uh, with, you know, other artists and so on. I had varying roles. And as I sort of rose up the chain, I uh, started to, you know, get more and more notoriety um, and working with, you know, even a lot of bigger independent artists and so on in Canada and uh, was, uh, you know, won some awards. They're called Junos in Canada, which are basically Canada's uh, Grammys. And so I got a few of those uh, under my belt. And then uh, they gave me a fancy green card to come down to L.A. and do the same thing. So I thought, hey, you know, the weather's nice. And uh, I've always loved the his musical history of LA. It's just fascinating to me. So um, moved down here and um, started uh, getting into music production. And then my wife and I got pregnant with our daughter. And I didn't want to miss out on her growing up. You know, I wanted to be there for her. I used to spend 12 to 14 hour days in studios. I'm sure your listeners completely understand what that's like a recording. You know, even if they're on the other side of the glass, they're long days. Uh, we love what we do, but it just really obsess us, uh, obsesses us, right? I mean, we, this is what we do as music people. Yeah, it's and, not conducive uh, to the family lifestyle, is it? Not really. Yeah, exactly. So I decided, well, how am I going to make this work? So I, I moved everything online, the studio online. And, uh, and then um, I was, you know, talking to a lot of my, um, the people I worked with and they were, I was saying, well, you know, how can I help you? And um, they were saying, you know, we're really interested in music licensing. And I was like, oh, well, that's easy. Cause I used to do a bunch of that stuff. So did my business partner, Danielle. And uh, we know a ton about it. We just haven't done it in LA. And so we basically uh, started, you know, connecting with music supervisors uh, like we did in Canada. And, um, you know, we know a ton of them. A lot of them are friends. 
And we basically, our job now is connecting indie musicians with top music supervisors uh, for television and, and film. I love that. I love that because there is so much great music out there by indie artists. And the problem is we just don't have those relationships, right? It's the music is oftentimes just as good, if not better than what you get from labels. Cause I feel like sometimes label music, it's so like watered down and it just needs to be like a certain thing for them to be willing to spend the money to put it out there. And with indie artists, you know, we can be more creative and all that stuff. And, but we just don't have those connections. So I love that you're kind of bridging that gap. Absolutely. And you know, um, the one thing, like when I was in Canada and starting to work with indie artists, um, you know, like you said, they were just as good as the bigger artists I worked with. They just didn't have, you know, the agents and the managers and the labels sort of pushing them along. So I was trying to think of a way to allow them to make money with their music and be able to keep recording. And, uh, you know, a part of it was selfish too, because I was like, man, I'm working so hard on these records. The artists are amazing. The music's amazing. We want this album to do well, right? I, I, you know, I, I wanted it to go out and do well. And, uh, but it would go off into the ether, right? There'd be the big show. Um, you know, all the friends would come out, they go on tour and nothing would really happen with it. And that was when I started thinking about music licensing. And when I first got into it, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I thought literally like, oh, I'm a big producer in Canada. This shouldn't be too hard. I'll just, you know, I got some connections and all of that. Well, I made all, all the mistakes, right? I sent the wrong music. I sent it at the wrong time. Uh, I just, you know, was cold calling music supervisors, all of this stuff that was not conducive to getting music into TV and film. But through that process, sort of that longer process and talking to music supervisors, you know, um, and just finding out more and more about how it worked behind the scenes, I cracked the code in how to get music in front of, of music supervisors and get it into TV and film. So I started helping people do that. And now with Sync Songwriter, we do that on a much grander scale. Uh, we, you know, it stopped being, you know, individual artists in studios and it started being, you know, people could literally come to our Sync Songwriter uh, program and we would, show them how to do that. And not only that, the secret sauce for, for us was, you know, it's not enough to learn how to do it. You can, you can go online and you can kind of, it'll take you a while, but you could cobble it together. You know, there's other courses out there for sure. We wanted to put people in front of music supervisors. So it was like, we'll show you how to do it. And then we're actually going to connect you with them so that you can pitch your music, meet them, pitch your music live to them and start those beginning relationships in the sync industry. Because that it really is the, it really is the secret is relationships. And you know, you might be in a library, we can talk about those in a second, but you can be in a library, have a licensing agent and you can do everything you know, right within that or have somebody else pitching for you. And you might get synced, you might get a, a placement. And you're going to be like, yeah, awesome. This is great, right? You go out with your friends, have a big dinner, woo, high-fiving. And uh, you'll get your sync uh, fee. And then you're going to get some back in royalties probably. And then what? Mm-hmm. You know, then what? No, you need to repeat it. You need to keep it consistent. You need to make sure you keep getting syncs over and over. Now, I've, um, just to give you an example, like I have, uh, you know, I was just talking to a student who got a $20,000 placement in the, in the show SWAT. 
And uh, there's another, uh, I got a, another um, person, another musician, $30,000 in the season finale of a show. So you can imagine, those are high level sinks, but you can imagine if you just get like three a year, what that can do for your music career. So that to me is one of the very best ways that currently exists for indie musicians to, you know, not only make money, but get their music out there in a huge way, because don't forget when you get a placement, you're in front of potentially millions of eyes and ears, right? So this happens to me all the time. I'll be watching a show or something and this cool tune will come on, you know, I'm like, who's that? And I, I'm either typing in the lyrics into Google to find out or I'm shazamming it. And uh, that will happen to you when you get your music into a show. So you've got to be like ready with your downloads and your website's got to be up and, and you're going to get a big spike in attention and you're going to get a whole bunch of new fans. If you're set up for it, you got to make sure you're set up for it. Yeah. And, that's, that's um, good to know. Like how, how is the best way to be set up for that? Like do people generally then go to Spotify and follow you? Do they actually go to your website? How does that happen? Yeah. So, so really the, the best strategy for that is diversity, right? You want to have your music in a few different places so that when people are looking for you, they can find you easily. And so, you know, it's not rocket science. It's literally just making sure your music's out there, making sure you have a website that is searchable, that has the information that they need, that they can find your music, find out who you are and, uh, you know, just cover all the basics because I don't know how many times uh, it's happened where, you know, someone gets a sync and they get the big rush having gotten the sync. They did not capitalize on the, on the attention that they got because it's fleeting, right? People then forget about you. So it, you want to capture them in that moment. And then they're always on your mailing list. They're always a part of your, your fan base. So just make sure that you're set up with a mailing list, uh, that you're, you have social, they can find you on Facebook and whatever else you're into. Make sure that you're on streaming services. Um, and yeah, that's Yeah, it. well, anyone that follows me knows that I harp on this stuff all the time. So hopefully they do have this stuff all set up. But I was thinking, you know, there have been times where I've been watching a show or even like I've been in a store and I hear a song and I can only remember a certain, you know, lyric, but I don't know the name of it or anything. And I, yeah. I go type that into Google and I find it, you know, so putting your lyrics somewhere like on your website, I bet would be useful as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a fantastic, fantastic tip. Exactly. So any, any ways that, that you can, you can um, get yourself noticed is, is, is really key. Well, let's talk about how sync royalties work, because I think this is like just this, this enigma, like artists just don't really understand how it all works. And they hear about these big fees, but then they don't understand about like the residuals and then, you know, what money you get from your PROs. And, you know, it's all like, like as most things are in the music industry, they're all very convoluted and confusing. So maybe you could break that down. Yeah, sure. It's really, really straightforward, honestly, <laughs> is uh, really the, the in, in typically in television and film, what you're going to be getting is performance fees from your PROs. So what happens is that when your music gets placed into a show, um, you get the sync fee, right, which you mentioned. And that is basically a lump of cash to license your music for the production. So that can vary, you know, a lot. It can be anything from free because you've got a friend who shot an indie film and you're doing them a favor into, I mean, while well, we're talking about the top stars and it can be into, into millions of dollars, depending on what it is, 
Um, you can be into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but uh, in, in the songwriter world, it can certainly be into the tens of thousands of dollars. And so that fee will vary enormously. Uh, the type of sort of the amount of money that you might get on average for like a, a decent sync, you know, in a show, it's a, a relatively short, could be like $5,000, you know, you might get like $10,000 if it's a bigger placement. It can be down around like $500 for like a, a much lower end show or a reality TV or something like that. So it really varies across the board. Now, so, so that out of the way, now we talk about royalties. And royalties are essentially, they come from the fact that your song should be included on the cue sheet, which is basically the, the sheet that is submitted to the PROs from the studios, from the movie and television studios. And which basically says that, you know, this is what song appeared in this uh, program. And the PRO can then, you know, do their search they're using their algorithms, however they, the magic, black magic, they used to do that. And they, they find that out and then they remit that royalty to you. So the beauty is, is that every time that show airs, you're getting a royalty for that. So even after the sync has happened, you still get checks in the mail. Now, here's where it gets really cool is a lot of people think that you have a song that you, and you get it placed in a show, then that's sort of the end of the equation, right? Then you're like, okay, I need another song and another opportunity. Far from it. You can actually have the same song placed numerous times in many different shows all at the same time as well, if, you, if, if it happens. It really doesn't matter. So you can have one song that's playing in two shows at the same time, and that year you might get five or seven or 20 syncs with it if it's a great song and it really fits. It happens all the time. And that's where the royalties really start to add up because those shows, usually if they're depending where they're airing, all of a sudden those royalty checks you're getting are, are sizable, right? So you're getting those sync fees, but then if you've got seven shows that are airing in different places and you know different frequencies, you've got this money coming in all year, essentially, uh, which is a fantastic uh, thing to be able to lean on. You know, Royalties are, are great for that. So does that feed into itself in that like that social proof of like, hey, music supervisor, I got my song on X show. And that kind of already makes it seem like, oh, that must be a good song to them because it's already been placed. And then they might be more likely to listen to it or, you know, and then want to place it as well. Yeah, so, so absolutely, that you're, you're absolutely right. But that being said, if you're, a, to put it a different way, if a music supervisor um, is trying to get music into their productions. It's so they got hired, right? A lot of them are freelancers. They get hired for specific projects and their job is to find the best music possible for the show. Let's say they're working on a show. And so they're out there trying to find the best music possible when they do that and they do their job. Well, they get rehired. It's good for their career. So they will absolutely, if they find out that you have been synced before it will certainly, you know, cause them to look twice and they'll say, oh, this is interesting. I should, you know, have a look at it. But that being said, it's not a make or break situation at all. You can be a musician who's never gotten a sync at all. And you will still, if the music supervisor is worth their, worth their weight in whatever, you know, <laughs> however you want to put it, if they're doing their job right, 
uh, then that means that they're going to pick your song because it's the right song for the production. So you're right, but there's a caveat to that is that don't worry if you've never gotten a sync, it's not required. One thing they do like though, and this sort of ties into the first thing we were talking about, is when you're making sure that your music is out there and ready for a sync to happen, that process of getting your music out there on social and doing that, it, music supervisors really like that. They like to see that artists have something going on. You're not just mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, you've got maybe a, a day job and then you write music on the side and you're only just submitting music for sync. It's fine. That can absolutely work but they actually prefer a little more that, that you be doing something with your music. Now, if you ask a music supervisor why that is, they'll have different answers for it. But having been in this business for a long time now, um, I think the real reason is because they want to feel that they're supporting an artist and also that it, there's some sort of, uh, it, it gives a little bit of leverage to the show if you've got, you know, fans out there and so on mm. as well. But they all came from musical backgrounds, right? I've, I've never met a music supervisor who said, oh yeah, I took accounting and I thought music supervision would be a great way to make money. Uh, you know, they're, they're, everyone I know is like, I was either a musician, I'm really into music, I was a DJ, uh, you know, I was a whatever, right? So they love supporting indie musicians. And just quickly, um, I'll mention that music supervisors prefer indie music or just any music that's written from the heart that was for your fans or for yourself or whatever that songwriting process is within your soul, whatever that thing is, they much prefer that over music that's written specifically for sync. And the reason that they give for that is because it's more authentic. So you're much better off as a singer songwriter or, or as a maybe a producer or composer to find the opportunities that suit your music as opposed to chasing opportunities, trying to write for opportunities, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's interesting because I have heard people say in the past, like, well, and also like if you belong to something like Taxi, you get these briefs that say like, we're looking for a song that sounds like this other artist, or we want it to have this kind of a feel and all that stuff. And you may have a song that fits that, but some people say you should try to write for whatever they're asking for. So you're saying that might work, but it m might not because they might feel like you're just trying to create something that's not really organic. Right. It can certainly work. And there is a lot of music that is written for sync, right? There's, there's uh, you know, TV studios have uh, composers and writers and, and they'll literally, you know, they'll write the cues to the, to the show uh, and do that. So it certainly works, but it's, it's less, it's preferred less mm. than a song that's written from the heart. And I also assume with these supervisors, they're under deadlines and, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm sure that they need music that's pre-cleared, like that you can have all the rights to be able to say like, yes, I can grant this license. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a different can of worms. So <laughs> you, you, yeah. So, so just to segue into that um, is that uh, let's talk about the music itself is just so your listeners know, there's no way for you to sort of, submit a demo or like, this is a rough mix and I'll fix it for you. Or <laughs> right. I meant to master it better. I'm going to, you know, there's none of that. Whatever you submit has to be the final thing that's going to be in the show or the movie or the ad. 
Um, now there may be exceptions if they know you and you, you know, you have a different working relationship, but 99% of the time you have to have the final master ready to go. So that, that's, that's super important. And, uh, and then if you don't, um, they're not going to come back and ask you to sort of, you know, redo that sort of thing. That's, that's really important. Now, in terms of clearance, um, clearance is actually a huge part of a music supervisor's job. A lot of people might think they sort of sit around and listen to music all day and uh, pick songs, which of course they do, but they're, you know, a big, big part of their job is paperwork and clearance. And what clearance is, for those of you who don't know, is they need to be sure that your song is fully authorized to be, to be used in the production they want to use it in, meaning that you have or somebody that's associated with you has the authority, legal authority to okay it and license it. What can happen, and this happens more often than you might think, is you might have a song and you're trying to get it into a show and you know, it's, you know, connect with the supervisor and things are running along great. And you forgot to mention that you had a small publishing deal a few years ago, mm. or maybe your bass player really feels like they wrote, you know, part of that song and they come out of the woodwork. That can be a real problem. So you have to make sure that your music is cleared ahead of time. That just means that it's, there's no one's going to, everyone signed the right documents. You can do this mm. yourself. If you have a band, for example, and you're, you're or a co-writer, um, you would get together and sign a contract. You have to sign a contract, basically giving you permission. Say you're the point person. They give you permission to license the music and you have it contractually bound that you're able to do that. You have permission to do that. And a music supervisor is going to ask you immediately about that. And I'm just curious very, very if, if you're in a band, I never actually thought about this. So if you're in a band and like maybe two of the members didn't write the song, do you have to have them sign off saying, I don't make any claims that I wrote any of this song for every single song? Even if you've got the person that did help you co-write saying that they, are, they did 50% and you did 50%. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a, a gray area for sure. That's a potential thing that you might want to do. But in that case, you would probably get them to sign a work for hire agreement. Mm. So that just means that if you hire, you know, if you're have somebody play on your music, you can send them a work for hire contract saying, I'm just a hired gun. Uh, I, I accepted this cash uh, payment and I perform my duties and I have no uh, claim to the actual. Right. Copyright. Which I always recommend, but what if it, the, it's a member, like you're a band and it's the member yeah. of your band. That, yeah. That I probably mean, gets you, really ugh, uncomfortable. <laughs> It, it, I know I, I, I'm uh, not a lawyer and I, and I would not want to <laughs> sort of step into the, no, uh, a personal either. situation like that. <laughs> um, but you, all I'm recommending is certainly to pay attention to this stuff and, and, you know, be aware that that can happen and uh, make sure that you've got, you know, you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's, but you know, I, I'm always a, a big fan of being upfront and uh, why wouldn't someone sign a contract? You know, uh, mm -hmm. that's the way I always look at it. As long as you're being fair and honest and upfront about it. And um, it would make me more suspect if somebody said, I don't, I don't want to sign that, or I'm offended that you want me to sign it. It's like, well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm the writer or me and my partner are the writer. So I don't understand why you wouldn't sign it. But that's, of course, a whole. It's a whole you, other thing. Totally. Whole yeah, other get thing. an entertainment <laughs> lawyer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, so let's talk about, I know you love working with supervisors and that's one of the best ways in your opinion to get licensed. What are the other ways that they can get licensed and, and you know, what are the pros and cons for each one? Yeah, sure. So, uh, most people, you, you brought one up, uh, earlier on, there are pay to submit sites. So that's yeah. one way you can do it, right? There's a song trader and taxi and Broadjam and places like that where you can pay a small fee and you can submit your song and then they uh, are supposed to be trying to place it for you. So the pros of that are that you can get into it very easily. The bar to you know, potentially license your music is very low with those. You can literally, after this podcast, you can hop online and literally go to one of those sites and you can be up and running, submit your songs, pay your fee and cross your fingers. So that is uh, the advantage. The disadvantage is um, one, you're competing against a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people who take that because the bar is so low, you're going to have a lot more competition. Uh, the second thing is that it is opaque. The process, meaning that you cannot see what they're doing and what they're not doing. You have doing. no idea if they even listen to your song, really. You don't know, and you've paid them money. So, you know, you've given, you've given them money and you're just trusting that they're, you know, have your interests at heart or at least their interests at heart, which will place your music. And uh, you don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know how many licenses they get based on how many submissions they get. So for that reason, I don't really uh, recommend it uh, personally, but they are great for if you want to get your feet wet, you can do other things and do that at the same time, just to, you know, just to get a feel for what licensing is and maybe you will get a sink out of it. You could, you know, it's like going to Vegas. You could like take 40 bucks and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to spend $40 and have fun with it. And I'm not going to spend any more. You might walk away with $400. You probably, probably won't house always wins, but uh, you might. And so why not? Uh, that's where I look at it, but I don't recommend it as a main strategy. Um, so another way that you can license your music is through uh, libraries, music libraries. And there's two types of music libraries. There's non-exclusive libraries and there's exclusive libraries. Now, non-exclusive libraries mean that you can put your music into it and then they will let you pitch your music on the side or do anything else you want to do with your music in licensing. So you can submit it to the library and you can be hitting up music supervisors or you can be in three li non-exclusive libraries at the same time if you want to. Now, the pros of that are obvious, what I just talked about. You know, it's like there, you can be, have more opportunities out there if you're being able to pitch to them, right, at the same time. The, the con of that is, again, because the bar is low, they're easy to get into, a ton of competition. You can be in there with like literally millions of songs. Mm. And so that can be a big problem. And then the other one is that they're not promoting your music. Generally, it's sitting in the library. Most non-exclusive libraries are like that. There's these big, huge uh, vessels of songs. And they just sort of sit in there and you essentially wait for someone to come and discover them. And I, I call that, you know, a little bit like um, hope is great in say a lifeboat when you're at sea and you're hoping to be rescued, right? Hope will get you through. Hope is a fantastic human attribute. It, it can get us through adversity. It's great. It's not such a good attribute in licensing. You don't want to be hoping you get discovered. You want to be proactive in getting your music to the right people. You want to connect with the right people in music licensing. 
So that's the con of that. And then the second type of library is exclusive libraries. That means that they essentially sign you or your music and you sign a contract saying you are the only person who is allowed to pitch my music. No one else is. I can't. And, and that's it. They have exclusivity over the, the pitching process. Uh, but you're still allowed to sell your music and tour and all of that stuff you normally would do as an artist. And that's not a problem. But the problem, the, the cons of, so the pro, let me talk about the pros of that. The pros are typically those are higher end libraries. They tend to be pickier. And that means the roster is smaller. And usually they're proactive, meaning that they actually have staff, someone at least, out there pitching music. They're like working to kind of get music into TV and film. They're contacting music supervisors. They're going after other sync opportunities. So they're really sort of pushing your music along, essentially. The cons of those is that you're restricted to the one library. So say you sign a contract and it's for a year or two years or maybe even five, uh, make sure you have an exit clause there. Don't sign in perpetuity. Like don't just give your music to them forever to do that. You got to make sure you have an exit clause. Um, and, uh, but what, during that period, you're not allowed to do anything else with your music and licensing. And what happens if the library turns out to be no good or at least no good for your music, right? So that can be a downside of that. But if you're going to go with libraries, I always recommend going with, with exclusive libraries and do your research ahead of time. Are they placing music? Are they placing your kind of music? Mm -hmm. Are you able to talk to the people at the library? Can you pick the phone up and call them or, or are you just getting answering machines all the time? So these are all things you need to do. It's like uh, kind of like dating, you know? So do your due diligence ahead of time to make sure you figure that out. Yeah, just like you would if you were going to hire a PR agent or a manager or anything like that, right? You're, you're exactly. entering a long-term relationship with this library. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're on to one, two, three. We're on to a fourth way of um, licensing your music, and that would be a licensing agent. Licensing agents are similar to regular music agents. They're out there promoting your music. Now, they're a little bit similar to an exclusive library, but they're even more on the promotion side. Like they are always out there pushing their roster and it tends to be even smaller than typically smaller than an exclusive library. And they'll often sign artists. So they'll say, Hey, Brie, I want, I want to sign you. I love your music overall. I want to get access to your new music first so that when you write your new song tomorrow and you record it, you know, next week, you're going to send it to me first. First, right? I want to kind of do this with you, if that's okay. And you might say, sure, that, that sounds great. I noticed that you've placed a bunch of music like mine and you're successful at what you do. You know a whole bunch of you know, um, music supervisors and this is great. This sounds like kind of like the ultimate answer, right? It mm. is either an exclusive library or a licensing agent. Sounds pretty darn good. All right, here are the cons. The cons of both of those um, methods, the exclusive library and the licensing agent, is one, they take a cut and it could be a big cut, right? They can take up to 35%. I've heard up to 50% of your income from that by getting the placement. So there's that. Then some of them more like more so licensing agents also are starting to take publishing on your song. So the royalties that you would get from your PRO, they're also going to dig into that too, potentially. So those are two things against, against that. 
But you might say, well, you know, the money is less important. It's more about building a fan base. Or, you know, I think the sinks will be big enough where it, it'll be great. Or know. I don't have time to spend doing this and they do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, so the reasons that you do that. But this leads into the last real good way of, of getting your music out there. And to me, which is the ultimate way, um, this segues into it because um, the licensing agents, they're not only taking a cut of your, of your music, but what happens is that when, uh, say I'm the licensing agent and I just signed Bree, and then I go after ABC um, music supervisor and I say, hey, uh, let's call them Mr. Black, Mr. Black or Mr. White in honor of the, of the uh, Reservoir Dogs. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Black, how would you like to, um, how would you like to, uh, um, you know, do you like this song? Yeah, I love it. This is great. Oh, cool. Awesome. So um, uh, Mr. Black says, yeah, I think I can place this. Okay, cool. Great. That's amazing. So I, hey, Bree, I phone you up. Guess what? We got a placement. Bree's like, woo, this is amazing. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Chris. That's fantastic. No problem. And then you're super happy. I'm doing a job for you. And the supervisor is super happy with me. Um, and then the sync happens and there it is. Okay, so now it's tomorrow. And Mr. Black calls me up and says, hey, um, uh, Chris, do you have another song for me? And I'm like, yeah, what, what show are you working on? What's well, this one? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Let me check my roster. I'm not thinking about Brie at that moment. Mm. I'm thinking about my catalog, my roster. So Brie's songs are in with a bunch of other artists. So, but I, the odds of her getting picked are lower. So well, quite low, right? One out of however many songs I've got. Well, especially because they're probably doing deals with people that are similar to you because they've had success with those kinds right. of things. So, right, it's all one big pot that they're drawing from. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And so basically, they're, 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 so I'm going to pick a song that's going to fit best with the show. So I'm not thinking about Brie. I'm thinking about the song and the show. Mm -hmm. So I send the song I think is going to be good or a few songs, maybe one of Brie's songs is in there, send to the supervisor. Regardless, the odds are stacked against her. Supervisor picks another song. Okay, no big deal, right? Brie doesn't know about it and who cares? Maybe she'll get another one. Here's the big deal. The supervisor places the other song, calls me up, and we're high-fiving together. And he's, Chris, you did it again. Thanks for that, man. You're the best. I'm like, you're awesome too, Mr. Black. And so what's just happened? I built my reputation on the music that I submitted, right? On the artist. And when I placed Bree's song the first time, I built my reputation on her. The supervisor did not see Bree's name on the contract. And even if they did, they, they, did, you know, they don't know who she is. They don't, they don't care. The second artist, the exact same thing right? So I'm building my company on the music and I'm getting the reputation so I can reach out to many more supervisors because I have success, right? Brie only got one sync. So it's tough for her to, not only is she contractually bound to me, it's tough for her to go out and say, hey, um, I got one, you know, one sync. The great way, the ultimate way of getting your music into TV and film is developing relationships with the gatekeepers with the actual people who place place the music. You want to connect with the right people who do this, right? And develop your own reputation. So earlier on, when you mentioned Brie about like, you know, if you have a sink under your belt, does that help you? And I said, yeah, it's not required, but it certainly does help. 
That's where that snowball starts to really roll down the hill and get bigger and bigger. The more sinks you get, the more success you have, it necessarily means you've developed more relationships, of course, right? Because you've got your music into TV and film, you've connected with these people, you're on a first name basis. And then they start to uh, ask you, you know, do you have any music? Like you're, you know, they're, they have go-to people, right? You can't just cold call a music supervisor and expect them to listen to your music, let alone get back to you. So they are, they have to restrict themselves because there are very popular people as, as you might expect. And so they have to restrict who they have access to. So they have go-to labels, go-to licensing agents, libraries. Uh, they'll even go to Spotify sometimes. They'll have artists that they'll, they'll be able to hit up. They hit up us, right? We're, we're on their list too. So we get, we get briefs and stuff from music supervisors. To get into that rarefied place, you have to develop your reputation in the industry. It doesn't mean that you have to like be best friends with them. It just means you have to be a known quantity. And the disadvantage of being represented is that your representative garners that attention. They're the ones who get that, that focus and build their reputation on your music. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not trying to make it sound like they're doing a bad thing. It's a great thing because they're helping people as Brie, you just mentioned, uh, you don't have time. So they're doing something for you. You find it to, to leave, leave some money on the table, whatever. Maybe you're, you know, you're more interested in building your fan base. But ultimately what I show people how to do and what I'm all about is trying to get people in front of the actual people who place the music and build your reputation and, and relationships with them. That is the, the biggest thing. And the other ways are great, complimentary. I certainly don't uh, not recommend them to people. I often will recommend say, you know, I think you would be better doing this with your music than trying to, you know, connect with music supervisors. Uh, but that is really the best and ultimate and long-term way to not just get a one-off, but to get sync after sync after sync so that you can support your music career. You can make a living at it, right? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I love that you're not only just teaching people how to do this, but you're actually making it happen. You are getting, you are helping facilitate them building these relationships by getting them in front of supervisors. So I know you're doing this cool panel coming up and I would love to have you talk about that and how our, our listeners can get involved with that. Yeah, so, so this year, um, we, we launch our, our course once a year only. And um, this year I was like, I don't just want to do another launch. Like, what can I do to make this, like, knock it out of the park, make it super amazing for indie songwriters, whether or not they feel like taking our course. Just something I've always supported indie music. As I said before, it's like, you know, you guys listening are as good as the people from labels and the songs that are coming out of publishing companies. That music, the world needs more of that music. So how can I make that really happen and make it great? So I decided to put together a music supervisor panel, the Sync Songwriter Music Supervisor panel, where it's five top music supervisors from here in LA. And you normally would have to, uh, it cost you a small fortune. You'd have to fly into LA, stay in a hotel, you know, there'd be food, there'd be an admission fee. And then you get to go to a panel like that where you could sit there and, and hear the behind the scenes stuff, uh, them dishing on like how they pick music for their, their productions, where does indie music fit in there? How much you can get paid? All the behind the scenes things 
that you can see basically a roadmap of how it all works, how it, how that everything goes together. And I wanted to do this for indie musicians and I ended up deciding to do it for free. So I pulled it together as five of my friends who are very top music supervisors who have been, you know, done a ton of like top, top shows from like Mad Men, Vampire Diaries, like the list goes on. Never Call Saul, I Better Call Saul, all that stuff. So I wanted to put all these people in one spot for one hour and do it virtually. You don't have to fly anywhere. You get to log on and see it. And I wanted to, to bring it to certain people like, like Brie and her community. It's not open to the public. I'm not broadcasting it on um, Facebook Live or anything. You have to register for it. And uh, you can, you know, get a link. Uh, I'm sure Bree's got a link for that. And you can, you can show up there. And, uh, and it would be amazing to see you guys there. And you'll be able to literally see the five music supervisors talking about, I'm going to ask them some tough questions and talking all about how you can get your music into TV and film. How does their mind work? What are they looking for? When you know this stuff, when you know how it works behind the scenes, that is what makes all the difference. And that's what changed my life. When I didn't know what I was doing, I was stumbling around the same music. I had great music. I was a pretty good producer. And so the music I had was great. The whole thing that changed, right? The huge pivot was figuring out how it worked. How do music supervisors pick that music? How does it all, all this stuff happen? So we're going to cover all of this in the panel uh, so you guys can know this and understand it and apply it to your music. Oh, this is going to be so good. I cannot wait to go to this. Um, I've got the link in the show notes for you guys, but I made it super easy because you may be listening on the go. Just go to femusician.com slash Chris. That's F as in female, E as in entrepreneur, musician.com slash Chris. That's C-H-R-I-S, Chris. And you guys will be able to register for that. It's totally free. And it's going to be an amazing educational experience. The only time I've ever seen panels like this are like when you have to, like he said, go to a conference, you know, go to a conference, fly to a place, uh, spend money on food and travel and all that stuff in order to see this caliber of people all together in a room. So I cannot wait to go to this. It's going to be awesome. And what's the date of this panel? Yeah. So yeah, it's on October 11th. And so October 11th at 11 a.m. PST, Pacific time. Um, so yeah, just be there and it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see you there, Bree. It's going to be awesome. Mm, cannot wait. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been really educational. You know, I've learned a lot about licensing over the years. And every time that I talk to someone about it, I learn something new that I didn't know before. So you definitely, and not only that, but like you got me super excited about it. You're using me as the example. And then I'm thinking in the back of my, mind, like, maybe I do have some songs I could put out there for, you know, maybe, you know, so it's just funny. You got me so excited about it. I was already thinking about how I could license my music and I haven't even been looking into that for a while. So you, you really bring out the, uh, the killer instinct in musicians. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. You know, you send me some songs. I'd love to hear them. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. You have an awesome day. I appreciate all of your help and all of your knowledge that you shared with everybody and cannot wait for this event on October 11th. Great. Thanks for having me, Brie. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. 
and music by Stella Ronson. <laughs>